We give it up for evangelist Tim Groves as he comes this morning. Believe in God's going to speak to him this morning. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming down. Thank you so much. Good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Better to be here than prison. Huh? Better be in the house of the Lord than in the hospital. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. He didn't say, oh, I was upset and grumpy. He was glad. So I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. So how many of you don't have a clue who I am? Okay, new victims. I mean, visitors. I mean, okay. Well, uh, my name is Tim Groves. I'm married to my wife, Bethany. This August 1st, we've been married 25 years. We have four uh, adult children, uh, one grandbaby here, one grandbaby on the way. Uh, I live in the great state of Maine, born and raised in York, Pennsylvania, but my wife is the maniac, and so uh, we live in the state of Maine, but I travel, and so this ministry, we've been, I've been preaching the gospel for 32 years, but traveling with this ministry for 12, and so since Mother's Day of 2010, we started traveling. We've had a place to preach every Sunday. Sunday nonstop, and we just go coast to coast with the Holy Ghost and into Canada, down to Jamaica, and just uh, just share the word of the Lord, and we see tons of people getting saved and healed and delivered, and, and God's going to do something today as well. Amen? I brought with me James Holmgren. Wave everybody, James, as we call him affectionately, King James, and uh, he's uh, uh, one of the guys uh, that I mentor. He's also my administrative assistant, and so he does a lot of traveling with me. Uh, he's at the product table in the back. If you like a good devotional book, this is my second devotional book that I wrote. My first one's back there as well. All the books are $10. The small books are two. There's also some uh, DVD teachings and things of that nature back there. Avail yourself of it. We do take cash, check, um, Venmo, cash app, credit card, goats, chickens, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll negotiate. And, uh, but it just helps us do what we do because as pastor will attest, we never uh, ask the church for a certain amount. We never say we have to have this to come. We just go and we travel by faith and God is always faithful to us. So just to visit James afterwards, our business cards are there. If you want to be a prayer partner with our ministry, you can go to our website and sign up for that as well. But take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. I want to give you a little background of what's happening in this passage of Scripture. Some of you remember David from the Bible. He was king for a good number of years. Well, David has died. His, Solomon, his son Solomon is now being made king over the nation. Solomon's older brother, Adonijah, does not like the fact that his baby brother, his younger brother, is made the king. And so Adonijah goes to Solomon's mother, Bathsheba. You remember her, her name, Bathsheba? And uh, he asks Bathsheba for a favor. Ultimately, this request is going to get him killed. But I want you to see what Adonijah says in verse 15. Verse 15. Then Adonijah said, you know that the kingdom was mine. And all of Israel had their expectations set on me that I should reign. However, everybody say however. however. Shout it again. However. however. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's for it was his from the Lord. The NIV says it this way. Things changed. The message translation says it this way. The whole thing backfired. It was God's doing. The New Living Translation says the tables were turned and this is the way the Lord wanted it. Folks, I've come to declare to you today, it is turnaround time for the saints of God. We serve a God of the turnaround. Zephaniah 3.9 tells us that God will turn things around for his people. Amen? You believe that? 
I can tell you today that I'm well aware of the condition of America. I'm well aware of the condition of the American church. I'm keenly aware that the New England area where I live so lacks the gospel that it is now the third largest unreached people group in the world. I understand that the foundation of our nation is being eroded. I know the tapestry of the God-designed family is being pulled apart. And I know the uphill battle it seems that we, the church, are faced with and how it looks like the devil is winning. But I also know how big God is. Folks, our God is the God of the turnaround. Listen, we just watched Roe versus Wade get turned around. And folks, God's not done yet. There's going to be some more things going to turn around. We serve a God of the turnaround. He turns barrenness into babies. He turns the Red Sea into highways. He turns water into wine. He takes a small lunch and makes it a banquet feast for thousands. He makes the lepers whole, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, and the lame to walk. He restores the broken. He turns sinners into saints, losers into winners, and zeros into heroes. Amen. He turns addictions into freedom. He turns lack into abundance. He turns sickness into healing. Our God is a turnaround God. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. He'll turn your sorrow into joy and he'll turn graves into gardens. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it around. So it comes together for our good. Folks, what you thought was a setback is just a set up for a comeback so that God can show up and show off. And we are in a season of turnaround. We're in a season where we're going to see the unusual, the uncommon, and the unordinary. This is exactly what happened for King Solomon. According to tradition, according to protocol, according to politics, according to procedure, Solomon should not have been the next king. Adonijah should have been king. The scripture says so in 1 Kings 2, 15. All of Israel had the expectation that Adonijah was going to be the king, but the God of turnaround stepped in. Things changed. Plans backfired. Amen? Do you see that special word in there, however? However. It's a conjunctive adverb. However, things were supposed to be this way. However, God made it go another way. That one word changed everything. Folks, I'm telling you, one word from God can change your life. It can change everything. You don't need looks, talent, smarts, education, money, fame, or power. You just need one word from God. Amen? One word from God. Let me tell you what, that coworker that's been there longer, maybe they have more seniority, that you may think the job and the promotion is going to be given to them. However, God's going to reverse it and give it to you. Yeah. Amen? Hundreds of other people more qualified than you, they may have applied for the job. However, God's going to make sure you get it. That disease might have taken out other family members. However, you're going to come into health and vitality. Some of you are facing some mountains that are insurmountable. You're facing some valleys that are way too deep. You're facing some things that in the natural, you don't know how it's going to work out. How is it going to happen? How's it going to change? Can I tell you, do not focus on the how, focus on the however. Focus on the however of God, because God is about to level some mountains. God is about to exalt some valleys. God is about to make some crooked paths straight because he is the God of turnaround. What may have limited you in the past is not going to limit you today. What held you back yesterday is not going to hold you back today. Amen? We are in a season of turnaround. He's going to turn that sickness into health. 
that loneliness into companionship. He's going to take that wayward child that's been off course and get him back on track. He's going to turn that poverty into prosperity. He's going to turn those who have been against you to now before you. He'll even reverse the vicious rumors being spread about you and reverse the curses that have been spoken about you. The stumbling block is going to turn into a stepping stone to get you to the next level. And I'll tell you what, folks, when God's ready to turn it around, nothing's going to stop it. Not a person, not a demon, no sickness, no addiction, no bondage, no political party. Nothing will stop it. And you may say, but you don't know my boss. You don't know my parents. You don't know my spouse. You don't know my coworker, my mayor, my governor, my president. doesn't matter. God knows how to turn the heart of the king. God knows how to turn the heart of the father back to the children. Listen, that coworker, that boss that's been against you, God can turn it so now that they actually favor you. You might even be their best friend. God can turn it around. When that political agenda is against us, God can turn it around so the agenda fails and God prevails. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural because the supernatural, the supernatural dismisses the natural. Come on. I've seen it happen in my own life. When my wife was a few weeks pregnant with our twins, as she was on her way to an ultrasound visit, the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And the Holy Spirit said, there's going to be complications. Don't worry. All will be well. Now, my wife is not a worrier. So when she heard the Holy Spirit say, don't worry, she knew it was going to probably pre be pretty bad. And it was. Long story short, there was a death sentence that was pronounced over our twins. We were told by the leading specialist in the United States, your twins will not survive. No hope, no possible way. But folks, we did one thing. That is, we stood in faith. We believed the word of the Lord that we should not worry that all would be well. In fact, after getting this devastating news of absolutely no hope, we still had two days before our flight would go back from Florida back to Pennsylvania where we were living. What did we do? We vacationed. We just went to an amusement park and we just had a great time for two days. We were not going to worry. And folks, as things progressed and got worse at times, we stayed worry-free. We stayed worry-free, and we waited for the God of turnaround to come on the scene. And folks, he did. The twins were born two months premature. They were so tiny that my wedding band would go up their arm all the way up to the shoulder. The doctor declared when the cord was cut, there is no way that this cord should be attached to a living baby. Folks, I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. It's not a question of how. It's a declaration of however. Your twins will die. However, the Lord says they'll live and proclaim the wonderful works of God. Amen? It's turnaround time, folks. And some of you, some of you here today, you're facing some really great financial hardships. And you honestly don't know what to do. Can I tell you God's not broke? He's not in a recession God is not short on cash. Amen. Listen, it was a couple years ago. Our ministry was going through a real lean time financially. I had gone several months with no paycheck and we really didn't have any other income to speak of. But we knew God called us to do what we were doing and we were going to stay faithful and we were going to trust him. We were faithful to go ahead and pay our tithe on paychecks we were not even receiving. That was an act of faith to go ahead and pay your tithe on money you're not even getting. And you know what? We had the opportunity to move in fear. We had the opportunity to stop traveling and just stay home. 
but God didn't tell us to do that. So we continued on. And it was this time of the year when I leave Maine and come down to the state of Pennsylvania and Maryland and West Virginia to do ministry for a month. It was just about this time of the year. And I said to my wife, there is enough room on the credit card for this last month long trip. After that, the card is maxed and we will need a miracle from God. And I left on that trip understanding that as I stood in faith, that God a turnaround would come on the scene. While I was down in Pennsylvania, a friend from high school reached out to me and said, do you think we could get together for lunch? I said, sure. While we were having lunch together, my friend said to me, the Lord spoke to me and said that I'm supposed to sow a special seed, financial seed into your life and into your ministry. Now, folks, we were not out there on Facebook advertising that we had a financial need. We weren't advertising that I've gone three months now with no salary. But the God of turnaround came on the scene. My friend handed us a $5,000 check for the ministry and a $12,000 check to us personally. Come on, give the Lord some praise. When the devil said, I'm going to strangle the finances of this evangelist, so he stops doing what he's doing, God slapped the big old however and turned things around. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, things are turning around. All the promises of God are yes and amen. God is not going to fail you, but he's fighting for you. Amen. You may be in a mess, but he's going to turn it into a message. You may be in a trial, but he's going to make it a triumph. Why? Because he's the God of turnaround. He's going to turn your stressing into blessing. He's going to turn your captivation into liberation. He is the God who restores the broken things and repairs the breach for nothing is impossible with God. I love what Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 says. It says, through faith and patience, through faith and patience, through faith and patience, we receive or we inherit the promises of God. That tells me that I have to be a person of faith. Folks, I got to stand in faith, walk in faith, live by faith, speak in faith, pray in faith. Can I tell you this? Our faith needs to be dumb to doubt. It needs to be deaf to discouragement. It needs to be blind to impossibilities. And it needs to be numb to circumstances. Because if we don't stand in faith, we will sink in fear every time. And let me just say this. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. If you let fear get in your life, it will contaminate your faith. So we've got to exercise our faith. We've got to believe and know what the word of God says, and then we hold fast to it. We don't doubt. We don't waver. It's not, I know so today, and well, I hope so tomorrow. No, we stand firm because James says the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let him not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So I stand firm on the truth. That God does not lie. And if he said it, I believe it. And that settles it. But I can't just stand in faith. I have to abide in patience. Now, most of the time, we think of patience as something negative. Like waiting at the DMV. How many know the DMV is like the seventh circle of hell? You know what I mean? It's horrible at the DMV. But can I tell you what? There are actually two different Greek words for the word patience in the New Testament. One is hupermone, hupermone, and it means to abide under. And every time the word patience in relation to me receiving something from God, every time that word is used, it is hupermone. And it means a pleasant experience. 
a pleasant experience. This word for patience does not mean hard, struggling, suffering, and enduring. It means a restful, calm assurance in the Lord. So when I stand in faith and I stand firm with this calm assurance, this restful abiding in Jesus, I start to see the promises of God manifest in my life. Now, there is another Greek word for patience, and that is macrothumio. Macrothumio. This word is the word used for the hard, struggling, enduring, waiting at the DMV. Right? This word, patience, is always used when it comes to relational situations. For example, when Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, show patience to brothers and sisters in Christ who cause you frustration. That word that he used was macrothermio. It's the kind of patience that says, I want to slap sister bucket mouth, but I refuse to unleash that fury. I will use restraint and I will endure the hardship patiently waiting to pass. Right? So that's the kind of patience we have with our fellow man. And that's the kind of patience we have when we're under the chastening of the Lord. But friend, hear me when I tell you, when it comes to believing God for your healing, when it comes to believing God for your breakthrough, for your turnaround, for your victory, it is never macrothumio. It is always hoopermone. Come on, somebody ought to shout. I don't have to endure. I don't have to suffer while I'm waiting for the manifestation of my miracle. I just restfully abide. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatsoever you desire and it shall be given unto you. Listen, some of you are waiting for a turnaround in your life, but you're refusing to stand in faith and patience. You're too busy moaning and groaning and whining and complaining. Too busy talking to everybody about your problem instead of talking to your problem in faith. Now listen, as a traveling minister who's out of the house six months out of the year, traveling across the country, I can tell you I do not like the current gas prices. But I will tell you I am not at the pump grumbling about it. I am not letting that negativity flow out of my mouth. Why? Because I don't care how high the gas prices go. They will never go higher than my God can provide. Amen? So I'm going to exercise my faith at the pump. Speak to the pump. Declare what God's word says to the pump. Amen? Listen, too many of us are missing our miracle. We're hindering our healing and we're frustrating our faith because of the constant flow of negative words coming out of our mouth. Don't miss your turnaround time because your emotions overrode your faith. Stand in faith and walk in hoopermone, the kind of patience that restfully abides. Kind of like going to a friend's house for dinner. You ever go to a friend's house for dinner? He says, come on over, we're going to eat at seven. And you get over there and it's seven and the wife pops her head out the kitchen and says, listen, it's going to be about 15 minutes till everything's ready. I mean, you don't sit there and snort and stomp and get all upset because a meatloaf isn't on the table, Right. You just have a seat and you have this great conversation and you're talking and you're fellowshipping and it just seems like just a minute goes by. She pops her head out and said, it's ready. You, you, you weren't stressing, were you? You were just restfully abiding, having great conversation. That's what hoopermone is. That's what we do when we're believing for the breakthrough, believing for the victory, believing for the miracle. We're restfully abiding. Huh? Because if I'm anxious and worried and stressed, I'm not moving in faith. I'm not moving in faith. 
I'm moving in fear. So this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to walk in faith and walk in hoopermone so we can start to see those breakthroughs, those healings, that manifestation. Amen? It's turnaround time, folks. It's turnaround time. Would you stand to your feet? If I can get one of the musicians to come. In the New Testament, there's a word that you probably heard of called repent. Repent. Jesus said it. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? That word repent or repentance in the New Testament is different than the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, repentance was you ripped your clothes, you threw ashes on your head, you got the carpet and snotted. That was Old Testament repentance. Well, that's not New Testament repentance. Now, that may be godly sorrow, boo-hooing and crying, and godly sorrow leads to repentance, the Bible says. But what's repentance? Repentance is a turnaround. It's a turnaround. You're, you're going this direction down this road, and all of a sudden you realize this is the wrong road. So you repent, you turn around, and now you go in an opposite direction. Jesus said, repent. Change the way you're thinking about stuff. Why? Because the kingdom is at hand. Some of you here today and some of you watching online, you get, need to get to a place in your life where you repent of your sins and you come to Jesus as a savior. Some of you are like, well, you know, I hope I'll go to heaven. I pray I'll go to heaven. Can I tell you, if you're hoping to go to heaven, you're not planning, you're not going to get there. If you're hoping, because it's not a hope so. The book of John says we can know that we have eternal life. If we will call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says we shall be saved. If we'll believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we can come into that right relationship, but it's going to require us to repent, change our thinking about some stuff. And some of you here may say, well, you know what? I know Jesus as a personal savior, but you need to repent for not making him the Lord of your life. Because we've got a lot of people where Jesus is my savior, but he's not Lord. Is he Lord over the remote control? Is he Lord over your screen time? Is he Lord over the sports page? Is he Lord over your pocketbook? Is he Lord over your marriage? Is he Lord over your job? Is he Lord over your children? Is he Lord over what you eat? See, when someone is Lord, that means you serve that person. And Jesus isn't just our savior saving us from an eternal hell. He needs to be the Lord of our life, where we fully surrender everything to him. Is he the Lord of your life? If not, you need to repent, change your thinking, and realize it's not my life anymore. I've given my life to Jesus. He's now the Lord of my life, and I will now follow his command. Some of you here are saying, okay, well, Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord, but I really got to repent because I've not been standing in faith. I've been standing in fear. I'm worried about everything. I'm worried about inflation. I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about COVID. I'm worried. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. There, I've never seen so many people that suffer with anxiety disorders. Never seen so many people. We are now, this America, the, our country is now the leading country in the world of people taking antidepressants. Can I tell you this? Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. I believe that. I believe he's coming soon. And I believe he's coming for a church full of faith, not a church full of fear. And if I believe he's coming for a church full of faith, then I believe God is going to do certain things to help us get rid of the fear and start living in faith. So here's what I believe. I believe 2020 and everything that happened in 2020 was God 
trying to get the church to use faith over the fear of sickness and disease. In 2021, that was God trying to get us to use faith to overcome the fear of the unknown because we really didn't know what was going on. In 2022, God is trying to get us to use faith to overcome the fear of finances because everything is going up. Everything's going up. We're having shortages. Everything's going up. We got to be, I don't know what 2023 is going to hold, but it's going to be God wanting to get us to use faith to overcome something. Folks, now is the time to be walking in faith. Huh? Not, not when you can't pay your bills, not when there's no food on the shelves right now. And walking in faith requires obedience to the Lord. Just obey. Sometimes God will say to you something very simple, like throw an extra $5 in the offering plate. It's not that he needs it. He wants to see if you obey. Sometimes he'll say something like, go to your neighbor, ask him if they need prayer for anything. It's just simple obedience. And you know what the Lord gave me a couple years ago? The word obey, O-B-E-Y, stands for overwhelming blessings empowering you. Overwhelming blessings empowering you when you walk in obedience to God. There are these overwhelming blessings that are sent to empower me. I think of Elijah, right? After he's had his showdown on Mount Carmel, he's living there in the woods, you know, the DoorDash guys coming every day. Granted, they're ravens, but you know, they're dashing in, dropping off the food at this door, moving on, right? So biblical DoorDash, there you go. And he's hanging out by the lake, by the spa, you know, by the pool, and he's enjoying things. Things are going great. Until one day, DoorDash doesn't deliver anymore. And the brook dries up. And what does he do? Sit and pout? Scream at God, why me? No, he hears the voice of God. Say, arise and go to Zarephath because I've already prepared a widow woman. Not a rich man, not a famous man, but a widow woman. Not a widow woman, but a widow woman, right? And he goes and he obeys and he goes and he finds this widow woman. I'm sure the spirit of God led him to her and says, what are you doing? And she says, we're getting a couple sticks together. We're going to go, my son and I, we're going to make our last cake, our last meal. We're going to enjoy it. And then we're going to die. How desperate. And the man of God says, that's great. Make me one first. <laughs> Just like a preacher. <laughs> Got to get in the front of the line, right? Huh? Make me one first. She had a choice. Obey or disobey. But because she obeyed in dire circumstances, she obeyed. Guess what happened? The cruise of oil didn't fail. The flour bin didn't fail. She had something to eat every day till the famine was lifted. Folks, we're living in a time and a day and age right now where we can't depend upon our government. We might not be able to depend upon the police. We might not be able to depend upon our neighbor or even our family. We can't depend that the shelves will always be stocked with groceries. We can't depend that what we order online is going to be in stock. We can't depend on anything but God. God is faithful. He will not fail. And we're in a place where we've got to learn to start to say, God, I want to obey you. Repent. I got to stop the thinking of I can do this myself and start realizing I need to throw myself upon his mercy and walk in obedience. So some of you got to repent for not standing in faith and some of you have to repent for not walking in hupomone. Huh? You're, you're doing that macrothermio. You know, I wish God hurry up and get me my blessing. You know, I wish God hurry up. No, 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 no. While I'm waiting for the promises of God, I'm just restfully abiding. I'm just rejoicing. Just like we just went on vacation two more days. 
we just vacationed. We weren't going to worry. The God of turnaround is going to come on the scene. We're not going to wring our hands and fret. We're just going to wait patiently because the God of turnaround is going to come on the scene. I believe the God of turnaround is ready to come on the scene for you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment.